We're now joined by our friend Steve Lansky, who had uh, two weeks of unnecessary time off, but we forgive him. How are you, sir? I'm very good. It, it might be my first time off without being suspended, which is always <laughs> exciting for me. Yes. And when, I don't, when I don't hear the, the, the word suspended, before the time off, that's huge for me. Well, and and the and the good thing is that we did talk about you, but it was it was positive. So <laughs> I don't want to say I find that hard to believe, but I do find that hard to believe. Well, but I, I trust you. It, I'm I'm conflicted right now. I'm not going to lie. Well, I think one of the two things: either I'm mellowing, which is more likely, or you're mellowing, which is highly unlikely. <laughs> so, or maybe we're both mellowing, which scares the you know what out of me. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, so, what did you? Can you share what you did when you took time off and left us alone without any help? Sure. We got on a plane. We flew to Ixtapa and Ziwat Nail, and we stayed in a resort that I couldn't imagine in a thousand years of imagining resorts. It was our first. It was our first winter holiday to a beach since 1989, because when you work in hockey, you don't take your holidays during the winter. You take them during the summer. So we let little leatherback turtles out into the Pacific Ocean. We sat by a pool every single day, 32 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Other than that, it was horrible. So did you wear like 700 sunscreen? I'm the, we're mellowing, but some of us aren't getting any smarter. <laughs> oh. I, but we, no, no, listen, my wife is all over that. We had the 60 Neutrogena. We brought this down in little packages and stuff like that. I was actually pretty good, but I like to get a nice tan. So I kind of, I kind of like spit, spit roast myself around during the day, rolling around. No burn. I did really well, really mm. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have that moment where you, 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 I better shower before I go out, and then you realize how much pain you're in, and you maybe burned yourself that day. You did not have that feeling. No, and I got to be honest with you. This is the first time because we went when we went to Australia a long time ago. Oh my God, I was the color of. You remember when? <laughs> you remember on Seinfeld when Kramer had the Kenny Rogers roast his oh, neon yeah. side up. <laughs> Yes, I uh, that do. was me. That was me on steroids when we went to Australia, and I thought I am never doing that again. And we did really well. And yeah, no, that turned out perfect. Well, wasn't that the one where he goes, "Look away, I'm hideous"? No, that was the smoking one. You're right. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. There, why? Why are some shows they get funnier over time? It's true. It, it's true. It, it, it just gets funnier over because it's so absurd. While you were gone, Steve, a few things came up and I kept saying, man, I wish Lansky was here. So I'm going to run one of them back at you now. We talked about the correct order of holding the Stanley Cup aloft and skating around on the little skate they all get after McDavid receives the trophy from Gary. We get, People will boo. It'll be at Rogers. People will boo. Uh, well, it might be in Toronto, but McDavid will get the cup and he will hold it aloft and then... In order, and I need the five after McDavid. Who who should get the cup after McDavid? Now, there's there's questions that have to be posed here. Like, are we talking about like three months from now? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Well, that was sorry. That was not made clear. And and we, so now we've assumed that the Oilers will beat the Leafs in the Stanley Cup final. Is that what we're also assuming? I, I just don't know what arena it'll be in, but yes, that is the assumption. Okay, okay, because there's a lot of things assumed here that I, 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 need, Canada, I need cleared up. Canada may no longer exist, but the Stanley Cup will be handed out. 
<laughs> okay, I understand. Well, I mean, and and you've had people's opinions on this so far that I have not heard. This is correct? Yes, and that's why I want you, pristine as you are, fresh from your your kebabbing uh, in Mexico, I want, I want your opinion. Okay, so... Uh, this is this is one of the biggest assumptions I've ever been part of in my entire life, and I've been I've been in live sports television. I've been some part of for some pretty big assumptions, but uh, obviously Nuge gets the cup first, right? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's that's a great answer. Has to be. Who else could it be? It has to be. Then, if we are now, this this is the part that is throwing me off a little. If we are assuming this happens in three months. The only way this happens in three months is if Stuart Skinner becomes Glenn Hall, Terry Sawchuk, Ken Dryden, Frank Brimsek, uh, <laughs> Charlie Rayner. Oh, my God, I'm trying to come up with as many as I can. Jacques Plant, Eddie Jacquemin, and uh, Martin Brodeur in one. He, he gets all that rolled into one. So Nuge has to hand it to Stuart Skinner because he's clearly had the greatest playoffs in the history of playoffs. Okay. Then Skinner is going to hand it to Darnell Nurse because Darnell Nurse has taken more slings and arrows, and some from me, over his time, and they've obviously won because he figured out how to play the game Paul Coffey wants him to play. So he gets it third. Now... You can't shuffle Leon to the back of the pack because my guess is he scored several power play goals in the playoffs, and next it goes to Leon. And number five is my personal heart choice. To me, nobody works harder than Derek Ryan, and I would okay. like to see I would like to see him get the cup number five. I realize that leaves Hyman out of the mix. I get all that, but those to me would make a lot of sense. Well, I like your choices. I have to say they were original. They are well thought out. Uh, and I know you're going to get harpooned online, but I don't care. I like your choices and I I'm endorse fine. them. I'm, I'm, thank you very much. I'm fine with the harpoon because you're right. Shockingly, I did think them through. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the list right now and I'm very happy and satisfied with it. And I'll put it back in the file. All right. There you go. Okay. Uh, this happened recently, but it has been happening, and it did happen while you were away. Uh, people know I love Jack Edwards because he, he embellishes and uses hyperbole even more than I do. So I respect him that he uses that tool uh, that he has in his toolbox often. But on the Bruins broadcast, he's speaking more slowly, and he has spoken about this, about the game you know, still going quickly, and he is more he's enunciating, but he's also a little bit slower than the cadence has changed. Uh, over the years. Um, so I just, while I was thinking about that, not Jack Edwards specifically, he's been very public about it, but I think that that we love to look behind the scenes. So what happens if your play-by-play guy or your, your color commentator or your host has some kind of a malady that could affect the broadcast and you have to think on your feet, and, and I say that with respect because I know you can, Does has that ever happened to you? And what is the... What's the check down? Yeah, that's a that's a really great great question. And one thing did come to mind, which I'll get to here in a second. I mean, obviously, when you get to the end, Bob Cole slipped a little. Danny Gallivan, they didn't. Danny didn't let himself slip a little. He decided it was time to step away. But it's very hard to know. And when you're talking about national broadcasters, 
versus Jack Edwards. He's a regional guy. That is also different. But the only situation I had that was kind of like this, and I won't use any names, is I believe the day we had a game, and I won't give you cities or anything, we did something called a home studio where our host was at home. It was for a regional game, so two and seven, CKND in Winnipeg, CHCH in Toronto, ITV in Edmonton. It was one of those um, games. Right. And we would do a home studio where our host was actually at home, and the play-by-play guy and the color guy were in the building. It was in Madison Square Garden. But we make it look like the host is in MSG. But if you're paying attention, you see he doesn't interview any players. He doesn't do anything from rinkside. So, but it was to save money and to get a studio in Madison Square Garden cost a fortune. So you right. wouldn't do it. Okay. So the day we're doing this game, our host's wife served him with um, divorce papers. Oh, my God. The very day of the game. And let me just say this was not his best day, personally. And we basically spent most of the day sitting on a couch in the green room at the station we were at, uh, discussing life and all its permutations and combinations, and virtually zero about a hockey game. And I remember it vividly because we, I sometimes I would have to leave to do some production in the truck, and then I would come back, and we would talk, and then I would leave, and then I would come back, and I'd say, listen, uh, what it boiled down to, Sal, was I said, look, what do you feel comfortable doing tonight? And we agreed that we would try to minimize the contribution, minimize the things our host had to do and, and say and throw to. And and so that's what we did. And we tailored the show that one time to make it a lot easier for this person on clearly what was a very, very, very difficult day. And did a great job, very professional, got through it. And I realized that wasn't necessarily a long-term thing like, say, Bob Cole or Jack Edwards would be. But mm-hmm. one of your this, – this is kind of my point – is one of your main jobs, if not the main job of a producer, is to make your commentators look good. You want to produce a good show, but you want to make your guys look good on the air. You don't put them on when they're not – you know, their tie's crooked. Where You give them a second. I've told you the Steve Armitage story in Los Angeles where we waited until he caught his breath during the playoff game before we turned on the camera and turned up the lights and opened his mic because it's not fair to put them in those positions. And we worked really hard that day to not put our host in a position that was going to be very difficult for them to execute. And I think when you're working with somebody like Jack Edwards or Danny or Bob at the end, you work that way, and that, but then at some point you say, okay, which direction are we going to take this now because this is not a sustainable long-term model. And then you have to make some hard decisions. But TV is a business. Problem is, you know, a lot of us run it with our hearts. Yeah. Steve Lansky, our guest, Big Mouth Sports. I, I, I'll tell you a, a, something that happened when I was young, and it irritated mm-hmm. me, and I, I, I liked Brian McFarlane less because of it. And then years later I found out why he did it. When he was working right. with Bill Hewitt, uh, he was instructed. Bill Hewitt was he, he would sometimes get the names wrong. Uh, he would ramble after a goal, and McFarland was told he wrote about this. He was told to jump in right after the goal and describe the goal, and so you can hear Hewitt calling "score," and then McFarland jump like over top of, and it was it was distracting as a viewer and as a listener. 
And I remember, I remember being, and I liked McFarland, but I didn't like him in that role. And I remember being irritated by him. Years later, I found out that puts somebody in a difficult spot. And I don't know whether that would have been the right decision. I know firing Bill Hewitt would have been a bad idea because Foster Hewitt was such a legend. But I, I'm not sure that the solution they came up with was the right one. And, you know, I don't know what year that would have been, but the producer would have either been George Redslaff or Ralph Mellenby. It would have been one of those two people. And those are really, really tough decisions. And you don't normally make them in a silo. It would be discussed with Brian. You probably wouldn't discuss it with Bill. But those are really hard emotional decisions. And when you take a guy like... When you look at a guy like, say, Bob Cole or Bill Hewitt, like, that's their whole life. That is their life, what they're doing there. And to come in and say, you don't have what you used to have. We're taking your life away from you. Oh, my God. That is so hard to do. And so I'm wringing my hands now thinking about it. It's so hard to even think about. So that would have been a, let's give this guy a little more glory. Brian, can you help us out? and do this. And Brian McFarland, who is literally one of the five nicest people in this business I have ever met, would have said, sure, I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. And that would have been how that transpired. Really quick one, uh, just to, to kind of like add on to it, because I think that, that when we, in this country, I think we worry more about the, the Hockey Night in Canada play-by-play guy than we do about the Prime Minister. And I'm not saying that's right, but it's true. So We do. Bob Cole, as for instance, his stepping off point, I, I like it, it, John Cherry too, almost, it becomes almost when they want to go and, and you have to nudge them because they're, I remember when Vin Scully made a call on a national game on a home run, he thought it was gone and it wasn't, and it was the last broadcast I recall him doing nationally. But in Canada, we we don't do that. We sort of, okay, Bob doesn't know any of the Ottawa players, but we'll just let him make the call. And, and you know, I mean, Don Cherry was on for a long, long time. Uh, and I think there were several times where he was almost cut, but wasn't. And in Canada, I think we that broadcast is so central and almost like with religious fervor, we protect who's on it. I think the solution is you got to stop giving long-term contracts. And you got to stop making long-term promises because you got to tell these guys you're on a yearly basis because when you're a broadcaster, the minute you think you're bigger than the show, the show has a serious, serious problem. And that's what happened to all those guys, Don Cherry, Bob Cole. I hate to say your host, Ron McLean, right now, they all think they're bigger than the show. And when that happens, bad things ensue. Steve Lansky, you brought it. You had your holiday. It's clear that you're fresh and reasonable and the color of uh, a cod. I'm laughing because you said reasonable, man. (laughs) I never called that. Thank you so much. You just made my decade. (laughs) Today's my day to lie, so that's what I did. (laughs) Goodbye, my friend. All right, Steve Lansky, thank you.